You guys can be seated for a moment. Just want to uh, take a moment and uh, kind of acknowledge something that we had here at church yesterday. Um, did somebody come out and talk about yesterday's event? Nobody came. Okay. Yes. I get the privilege. Yesterday, um, yeah, actually, my bad. Children, you may go. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy Children's Church. If you're a visitor and you came and you kind of found somebody to watch your kids, don't worry about it. Bring them with you next time, all right? We have Children's Church. They have a lot of fun there. Um, I want to just mention a fantastic event we had yesterday. We had the Men's Fellowship here today. Um, we, had, uh, we had a number of people speak. We had uh, Brother Nate talking about roaring like a lion. Give it to him, Nate. Give it to him. <laughs> he talked about how the men of our church need to get their roar back. Um, give it to him again, Nate. The guy literally had us growling at each other. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, and then after Nate, we had uh, these two gigantic gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Mingo and Brother Gino, I think his last name is Sagara. Um, and these guys, when you look at these guys, as I'm sitting there, they kind of remind me of like WWF wrestlers. <laughs> like they were literally tag teaming and preaching, but at the same time, they're like this and like this. They were huge um, and they're intense. Right? We've seen Mingo preach here a number of times. Homeboy is intense. He, he comes here, and he's not playing games. And sometimes you got to kind of, you know, it's, you got to drink a lot of coffee before you come here and preach because he kind of gets into these, these moments where he talks really fast, and you're like uh, trying to catch it. But they spoke to us, men, and, and they, they caused us to think critically about our secret lives and what we do when nobody else is around, what we do when nobody else is looking. Um, and they challenged us to repent of the things that separate us from God and keep us from fulfilling his destiny in our lives. And it was really powerful, really, really powerful. I just want to also say that we had every single man in the house at the altar, at the end of it, praying, um, reconciling to God, men, strong men, crying in the house of God. It was beautiful. It was extraordinary, and, and I, I, I expect that we will see repercussions of it for many years to come. I expect that we will see those men reproduce and, and bear fruit that remains. Um, I, 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 think, I just want to commend the men who were, if you were here yesterday, raise your hand. All right, men, was this not a good thing we had yesterday? Matter of fact, I uh, also want to say uh, Minister David's brother uh, yesterday gave his heart to God. Gave, uh, we welcome him into the kingdom. Really awesome. Um, and, and I also want to uh, just also kind of take a moment to celebrate Julio Maldonado. Coach. Um, and I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if we say it often enough, but this guy is just a tremendous inspiration to the men of this house. To me personally. 
to me personally, he's a tremendous inspiration. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sing the song, but he, sometimes I look at him and I feel like he may be the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> know what I'm saying? I'm not Bed Midler. I'm not going to sing it, but my brother, you inspire me. And sometimes when I need a kick in the rear, you give it to me, and I appreciate it. I have a few men in this house that give me a kick in the rear once in a while. Brand new boots. <laughs> I just want to thank God for what happened yesterday and, what's, and the revival that's happening in this church. If you haven't noticed, prayer is coming back to the house of God. Just want to let you know that this has once again become a house of prayer. This place, this church. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that there is a revival in the hearts and the minds of God's people. um, And that we are humble enough to accept what he's doing. Because we can get lost in the mix. We can become in love with church and the church experience and not truly become in love with Christ. And so the Lord is bringing us back. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. Take a moment. Stand to your feet. Turn, to, turn with me to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. We're going to read something from both Mark 13 and also something from Mark 14. So even if I did not utter another word, honestly, I feel like we've been preached to today. Nate, Brenda, Belinda, you guys brought it. And, and, um, and I just want to appreciate you guys and your fire. I will admit, I'm not a preacher. <laughs> so I'm probably not going to be shouting like they were. Uh, but just try not to fall asleep, all right? Just, just do, me that, do me that solid. So if you're in Mark 13, say Amen. All right. I want you to turn to verse 31 of Mark chapter 13, verse 31, Mark 13, 31. And it reads like, like this. It says, heaven and earth shall not, I'm sorry, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But on that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed. Watch and pray. Everybody say, watch and pray. pray. For you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly we find you, he find you sleeping. Verse 37, everybody read with me. And what I say, I say unto you all, watch. Master, have your way. I've got notes, throw them away if you want. 
Master, I give you the opportunity to speak into our lives, to speak into our hearts, bring conviction, bring a renewed mind, bring a restored heart, bring a, a more powerful prayer life to this place and to these people and to me as well. Holy Spirit, have your way. We declare that our hearts are fertile ground. Open our ears to hear. Peel the scales from our eyes so that we can see and hear what the Spirit of the living God has to say. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We surrender all to you right now at this moment. For these next few moments, you be the teacher. You be the preacher. You be the master. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, everybody, be seated. Hallelujah. Today I want to talk a little bit about watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. Hallelujah. I just want to kind of do a quick disclaimer. Uh, Before I really get started here, uh, I want to let you know that you're probably not going to like me when I'm done with this message. Just know that I love you. Just know that if I challenge you on anything, it's because I'm guilty of it too. If I, if I, if I challenge you and admonish you to elevate yourself somewhere, it's because I have to do the same myself. This is a message that Almighty God gave me for us. Amen? There are a few chapters in the Gospels um, where Jesus kind of goes off into what I would call, and it's not generally found in the Gospels, something called apocalyptic literature, right? The book of Revelation would be known as apocalyptic literature, right? So apocalyptic meaning, you know, the end of the world, (sighs) right? Um, Literature where, where, you know, book of Revelation is a book of prophecy, that talks about the end times. But what the disciples did in this particular instance, and you find it again in Matthew 24, you find it again in Luke 21, you find it again in uh, Mark 13, um, and they basically kind of tell the same story with slight variance. And the beauty is that the variance is not that it's confusing, it gives a little bit more to the picture each time. And so if you overlay the Gospels kind of on top of one another, it gives you a, a conclusion. It gives you, a, it gives you the big picture. It fills in the gaps that you didn't understand in the previous gospel. Right? Um, so the question was, right, and I didn't read the question, the, the disciples came and they said to Jesus, he had just gotten through talking about the temple and how the stones, he said, look at these stones. There will not be one laying on top of another. And he's talking about the end times, right? He's talking about uh, his return. He's talking about when he comes to collect us, his bride, right? We all get that? Are you on track with me? So they asked the big question. Everybody say the big question. Jesus, what's it going to look like? That's what they said, basically. What is going to happen? And he gives a description of the end times, the tribulation. it's, It's very detailed. It's actually very, if you, take, if you take a moment in the next couple of days, go to Mark 13, Matthew 24, 
um, Luke 21, and it will explain in great detail, Jesus actually explained in great detail what the end times will look like. And I guarantee many of you will be amazed at what you read, right? Many of you will be like, oh, snap, it's all there. Matter of fact, what he does is he puts it in chronological order too. It's amazing. Why? Because he wants us to know. Because he doesn't want us to be surprised. Because he wants us to be warned. And because he wants us to know what to do as we see that day coming. Right? Jesus doesn't like to catch us by surprise. He likes to, you know, he gives us clues. We're his children. Don't you prompt your children, all right, buddy, five minutes, you know, two minutes, one minute. All right. Did you, did you no, you didn't clean. Let's, let's go. Let's clean the room. I told you 10 minutes. We, we let our kids know ahead of time. We warn them. We prepare them. In fact, in one, of the, in one of those chapters, he literally says, I told you so that this would not catch you unaware. See, I told you. He literally says it that way. See, I told you. I'm telling you. Um, we get down to the bottom and he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. How many of us know that the word of God is an everlasting word? Why? Because our God is an everlasting God. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is literally the beginning and the end. And he is his word. He and his word are one. Jesus, John John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word, it's not going anywhere, right? Let's go back to the verse. Let's go back to the Scripture. Chapter 13, 32, but of that day... And that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed. Take ye heed. What does that mean? It means take me seriously. This is not a game. Pay attention. Take ye heed. Watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. And so this, he, he kind of moves into a parable and he talks about how the Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? Jesus. It's one of his titles. The Son of Man is like a man that goes away and leaves workers to their work. He gives them assignments. How many of us realize that we have assignments as born-again believers? How many of us know that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us and that he has left us with an assignment? Amen? How many of you are tapped into your assignment today? How many of you are operating and working in your assignment? How many of you know what the assignment is? bringing the gospel to the world, teaching and preaching, baptizing in his name, right? It's not about earning money. 
It's not about becoming CEO and executive of a Fortune 500 company. It's not about getting on TV. It's not about batting 1,000. It's not about bowling 100, 300. I'm not a sports guy. It's not about getting the hottest new ride or the sweetest honey on the, on the block. It's about teaching and preaching the gospel, making disciples, multiplying yourself, doing for others what someone has done for you. Dude, how simple is that? That, that is the assignment. He has left us with an assignment. He's left us with a charge. He's coming back, and he's going to take account of what we've done while he was gone. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say tone. Don't be a bummer. <laughs> 35, watch ye therefore, for you know, for you know not when the master of the house cometh. At evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. Thus coming suddenly, he shall find you. <laughs> And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch, watch, watch. The word watch comes from the original word in Greek, Gregorio. Everybody say Gregorio. That's Greek. I had to practice that a lot. I don't just know Greek, in case you haven't figured it out. I'm a Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Okay? I had to practice that word. Everybody say, Gregorio. And even now I have trouble. The word originally means to be alive, to be awake. Um, the idea in the original Greek is that if you're asleep, if you use the word Gregorio, it means that you're asleep. But it can also be taken that you are dead. So a lot of times they would take that word and say, if you're asleep, you are with those who are sleeping. You are not alive. You are dead. Another version of that same word, it's used in other places, it's used, it means to stand guard. It means to be on high alert, to be cautious, to be active. Give strict attention to, right? Not sleeping, alert, awake, paying attention. Not comfortable and quiet and dozing off. Take heed lest through remissness or indolence some destructive calamity suddenly overtake you. That's what he's saying. He's warning us. He's warning us. 
He literally tells us what the end is going to look like and what we need to do in the time of the end. He wants us to watch. He wants us to stand guard. He wants us to pay strict attention to. He wants us to be alive and alert and active. Ladies and gentlemen, something I've noticed in recent times, I I don't know, most of you have heard my testimony. I gave my life to the Lord at the age of 19 in 1995. Sounds like a good price, right? (laughs) Brother Nate is very familiar with that number. He told me, he gave me testimony this morning that he was like blessed that he went shopping for a jacket and got this really cool looking jacket on sale. How much was it, Nate? Alleluia. In 20 years, I've seen a trend in Christianity worldwide. Well, maybe not even worldwide. I can really only speak about what's going on in America. I've seen a trend. I've seen people get really concerned about other things other than the gospel other than the assignment that Christ has given. And, and unfortunately, it's really because we as a church, I will say here in the United States specifically, we've fallen asleep. We're not alert. We're not active the way we should be. Now, I'm not talking about all churches. I'm saying there's a huge amount of churches. I've had the privilege of vis- visiting many churches because you know, I sing and play guitar. I had my own band for a while, and I traveled a bit in the Midwest and, and, and up and down the East Coast. And I've been to a lot of different types of churches, black, white, Hispanic, uh, Korean, uh, where they spoke different languages, um, many different um, uh, denominations. And, and it seems to be a consistent trend. We're not watching. We're not paying strict attention to. The things that really matter don't necessarily matter to us anymore, and we're giving more attention to things that are carnal, that have to do with the lust of our flesh, the pride of life. Amen? I told you you weren't going to like me. I warned you. (laughs) But it's okay. I don't need your approval. I know I'm telling the truth. And I'm telling you in love. So I'm okay with my dad in heaven. Hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord. Somebody worship him. Hallelujah. One of the things we need to watch is, first of all, our relationship with the Lord, right? Um, another thing we need to pay attention to, and, and I'm going I'm to linger on this topic for a moment, we need to pay attention to what's going on globally, right? Um, so the TV is a wonderful thing, right? It's, it's a wonderful thing if you use it the right way. If, if you're watching the news, if you're getting information if you're paying attention to what's going on in our government, in politics, in the economy, it can be a wonderful tool. But if you're sitting there and salivating over all of these disgusting shows that are on, then it's, it's a problem, right? Um, and matter of fact, 
you can even do away with TV altogether and just use the internet for your news. Amen? Um, and, you know, yeah, I'm bashing TV. <laughs> it's okay. I, I'm bashing the TV. Matter of fact, I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day. Um, we've actually let go of our DVR and we've let go of all of those other channels. Um, we kept seeing just just junk and all of these occultic symbols and all of these shows that just reek of lust and hatred and anger and evil and just just total garbage. All right, so we've let go of a bunch of channels and uh, I, you know, I didn't even realize it, but I've actually kind of stopped watching TV altogether except for the news in the morning when I'm ironing my clothes and I want to see what the weather's going to be like because I don't want to be caught in the rain. I want to make sure I got a hat and an umbrella or something. Right? I love News 12, by the way. They're awesome. <laughs> but the, just the other night, I sat down with Belinda, and we watched the show, uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And, and it's kind of a cool show. Uh, we enjoy it. And it's about an hour long, and I felt really strange. I felt weird, like I was doing something wrong. Like I, I think I even told you, I was sitting there watching and saying, man, Aren't I supposed to be doing something else? Did we have something planned for tonight that I forgot? It just felt strange. And then it dawned on me, I haven't been watching TV. I've been staying away from it. And, and there's actually been a number of amazing measurable results as a result of that. I've been spending a lot more time with the Lord. I've been spending a lot more time with people working on, you know, getting them discipled. It's been a wonderful thing. I don't want to linger too long. But one of the things we need to pay attention to is what's happening in our world. You need to be paying attention for, and because, G, and because we're taking the scripture from the, uh, the eschatology of Jesus himself, one of the things we need to be paying attention for is a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world money system. All right? So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can see me after service, and we can chat. But so the thing is, is that we watch these trends going on in our world and, you know, we question, like, why would the government allow our economy to tank so badly? Why would we allow our government to use this fiat currency that has been proven through history not, to not work? It, it, it was bound to collapse. Why didn't they see it? Well, I submit to you that they did. And it's for a reason. And it doesn't quite make sense until you open the book. The one world political system or the one world government, we're moving there. I guarantee you we're going to see it. The one world religion, which we see all over the world right now with this ecumenical uh, movement. Um, we just had the Pope visit New York City. And people that never talked about the Bible, people that never talked about Jesus, all of a sudden are saying, this man, oh, he is just so loving. Man, you never spent 10 seconds in a room with this man. How do you know who this guy is? All you know is what the media has been pushing into your head. That's all you know about him. But all of a sudden, people are smitten. Like, he is just amazing. Really? 
I don't know. And I'm not bashing Catholicism. I wouldn't do it from the pulpit. I'll do it later on. <laughs> I'll do it in the back room. Uh, but, you know, and, and my, my, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, all I'm saying is that we need to be paying attention to what all that really means as to where it will wind up, as to where it's going, right? One world religion. We need to be watching. We need to be paying strict attention to. Amen? We need to be watching. Why? Because Jesus said, when you see these things coming to pass, get ready, get ready, get ready. And, and for some reason, a lot of us are asleep. A lot of us are too concerned with what's been happening on um, Scandal. People talk about this show all day long at my job. Scandal. They're like, you don't watch Scandal? You realize what the name of it is? Did you hear what you just said? Scandal? I'm so, and my, listen, I'm not trying to offend nobody. Okay? I'm not trying to offend nobody. But what could you possibly getting, be getting spiritually from a show named Scandal? It's okay. I don't need your approval. <laughs> I'm talking truth. Globally, we need to be paying attention. Personally, we need to be watching. We need to be the watchmen of our home. Somebody say amen. amen. We need to be watching for infiltrating ideologies and philosophies that replace God with self. Be careful not to allow things to come into your home, people to come into your home, music to come into your home, movies to come into your home that cause you to replace God with yourself. If that's happening in your home, you better stop that mess right in its tracks. Amen? You cannot replace God with self. You are not God. Feel me? Be careful with those vain ideologies, with those vain philosophies. Follow your heart. That's really popular in Disney, isn't it? Follow your heart. What does the Bible say about your heart? Deceitful. Mm. Unruly evil. Mm. Christianity is all about pleasing God and serving mankind. Amen? So even when you hear preachers talking about exalting yourself or replacing God with self, you better be careful. It's about pleasing God, not God pleasing you. Come on. I hear too many preachers talking about, you know, take care of yourself. God wants you to get, get, get. Hold up. Didn't he say, deny yourself? Take up your cross and follow me. Who's following who? We're following him, not the other way around. We're following him, not the other way around. Stop it, man. We're following him. It's not the other way around. He's not your sugar daddy. He's not the, 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 the guy with the big wallet to just give you whatever you want. Stop it. That's not my God. That is not my God. That is not the God of the Bible. 
You better read some word and understand what these preachers are telling you. You better read the word and, and know God's heart so that you can keep yourself from being deceived. Keep yourself from replacing God with you. Keep yourself from replacing the gospel with a counterfeit gospel that will take you and those around you straight to hell. Hallelujah. Let me stick to my notes. <laughs> What we, what, what we need to watch for are activities that are devilish and carnal. If you're engaged in things that are devilish and carnal, things that fulfill the lust of the flesh, instead of, the lust, in, instead of what the Spirit of God wants you to be involved in, just let it go, man. Just let it go. Let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I'm joking, but it's a real serious thing. There are some things that we need to let go of that we got no business holding on to. It's it's as if though our chain were wrapped around our waist and there was a steel loop in the floor and, you know, we're trying to reach God and that thing that we won't let go, I mean, all you got to do is just unlock the chain and move, but you refuse to do it because you don't want to let it go. Talking about activities, things that are carnal, that are going to separate you from God. Told you you weren't going to like me. Things like watching scandal. Listen, the, 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 the apostle wrote, abstain from those things that are, are even the very appearance of evil. He's talking about things that just even just look evil. Re- reject it. Stay away from it. Amen? Hallelujah. That's kind of why I stopped watching TV, man. Even if you're watching something that's holy and, and wonderful and, and joyous and even talking about Jesus, the commercials alone will leave you with images in your mind that will cause you to trip up and sin. That will plant seeds in your mind and in your spirit that will cause, that will grow and grow and grow until you find yourself in a place of total separation from God and his will and his word, and you can't hear his voice anymore, and you're in home, and you're fighting with your wife, and you're yelling at your kids, and, and, and your finances are taking a nosedive, and you just don't feel like going to church anymore. Why? Because you allowed those seeds to be planted inside of you that didn't belong there in the first place. Just shut the TV off. Break the cycle, man. And I say it because I'm guilty. Right? I'm not saying it because I'm trying to judge somebody. I'm saying it because I know it intimately from myself. And I'm not special. We're all in this thing together. Amen? Okay. Make sure you know who and what is influencing your children. Who and what. Make sure you know their friends. Make sure you know what they're talking about. Learn how to look through a browser to find the sites. You know, some of us have young children, and they haven't figured out how to delete the browser yet. You can go and you can look at the entire history for the entire length of time that they've had that tablet or that Kindle or that uh, iPad or whatever it is that they have, that phone or that iPod, yeah, all of that stuff. 
you can go and you can look in the browser. And if you decide to go one day and look in the browser and it's deleted, you need to ask why. Amen? Oh, but, you know, my, my, my parents were just so, you know, they were so strict and they enforced such deep and heavy, you know, disciplinary type things on me. And I don't want to be that way with my kids, man. You better wake up. If it worked for you, then why won't it work for your kids? Stop it. We got to stop it. They are given to us. We are responsible for, responsible for them. We're responsible for their souls. Amen? We need to make sure that they're getting the right stuff in. Unhealthy stuff will yield unhealthy fruit. Perverted food will yield perverted fruit. Pay attention. Watch. Watch. Pay strict attention to. Be the guard of your home. Filter everything. Make choices for them. Teach them the word of God. Explain it to them. Flesh it out them for them. Let them see you live it. Amen? Th- that generation of do what I say, not do what as I do is over, Jack. It should have never came to pass. It, not in Christianity. No, sir. What you expect of your children, you should be expecting of yourself. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. You should be on the lookout in your job, uh, in your church. You need to watch. You need to pay attention for those who you love, for those at your job who maybe you don't love. You need to be taking notes. When they're going through something, you watch. Pay attention. This dude, he don't exactly like me, but I know that Christ has a plan for his life. And when I see the opportunity, I'm going to be an opportunist. And I'm going to say, I'm going to look at it, and what you need to master is the, is the art of saying, insert Christ here. Right? Recognizing the season. Uh, actually, a little while ago, we talked about how sometimes people go through tragedies. Sometimes people go through hard times. And, and there's, there's fertile, uh, a fertile ground moment for you to be able to say, hey, listen, I went through a similar thing. You know what helped me? Jesus Christ. For me personally, I was, I was all jacked up on drugs. I was... uh, an occultist and a satanic believer. I walked around with a, with a satanic Bible in my back pocket and, uh, and I wasn't even looking for God. And all of a sudden he came into my life and showed me he was real, blew me away. And 20 years later, I'm just so in love. And you know what? I have peace and I have joy. And my wife and I, we love each other. You know, one time we, once in a while we disagree, but we don't ever fight. And, And so, and, and so, you know, Jesus has just made my life amazing. Is it perfect? No, but it doesn't have to be because he carries me through it. That's what I mean by insert Christ here. Pay attention because there are seasons of opportunity, seasons of opportunity for you to be able to minister, to be the salt and to be the light that Christ has called you to be. Amen. All right. Um, another place where we need to be watchful 
is in our church. Now, this is where it's going to get ugly. Because I, I know, you know, I, I, sometimes I hear the horror stories, not just in this church, you know. And I'm not going to say that whole church down the block thing, because it's every church. Church is church. Amen. What's going on here is going on at the church down the block, right? I know sometimes we don't necessarily get along. And I know sometimes we don't necessarily like each other's hairdo. I know sometimes a brother may, be, may come into church wearing the same shirt or a sister be coming in with the same shoes or you're kind of jealous of her pocketbook. Sometimes we be hating on each other. This is not what we're called to do. This is our family. Uh, Jesus, in, in I think it's Luke chapter 15, talks about love one another. What we should be doing, instead of cutting one another up, when, when we see them down, lifting them up, building them up. Right? And sometimes you just got to force yourself. I don't like that, sister. Her breath stinks. Yo, that dude is a jerk, son. You know what he said to me the other day? He said the Mets were whack. He's lucky I don't punch him in his mouth. We need to love one another. We need to love on one another. Uh-oh, don't be beating up Brother Nate. That's my boy. But we need to love one another. Instead of cutting one another up and waiting for that opportunity to say, mm, I've been waiting on this. See what happened to you? Because you stupid. You can laugh. Some of us here have thought that kind of thing. I'll tell you right now. We can, you know, come to church and act like we're holy and, you know, have all of the right. God bless you, brother. I just love you, sister. Can't stand that chick. And we've been in that head way too long. We need to love one another. We need to watch for one another. Why? Because we can't survive without one another. Scripture says that we are put together as living stones. We are the body. We are the church. Not this building. We are the church. And we are individually Christians, born again, sanctified in Jesus' name. But we are collectively the body. And we are complete only with one another and with Christ as the head. And so we need to be watching. And when we see our brothers and our sisters downtrodden, or downcast, or if we know that their kids are going through something, or if we know that they're going through something, or if we know that they need money, or if they need something for their home and they can't afford it, or if they need just somebody to reach out to them and pray for them, or just call them and give them a word of encouragement, do it! Be there! Stop acting like a Christian and be a Christian! Hallelujah! We need to watch. We need to pay attention to one another. We need to learn one another what our, one another's struggles are so that we can pray for one another. Amen? Amen. 
All right, man, I know I'm talking truth here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus told us to watch and pray. Amen? Watch and pray. It's very interesting because you find him later on. He uses those very same words just a chapter later in Mark 14 when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? I practice that word too. Gethsemane. And he, and he brings, you know, his, his homies with him, right? So there was like an inner circle amongst the disciples, right? Uh, James, John, and Peter, I think it was. And he brought them with him. Like, so he left the other disciples a, a, a distance away. And then he brought his homies with him. And then the Bible says that he was just a stone throw away from them when he kind of separated himself and started to pray. This famous prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane. And so he's there and, and he tells them, guys, stay here and watch. Watch, right? So in the, in, there's a slight variance amongst the three different chapters that I told you about. And the first time he told them to watch, right? So what did he tell them? He told them to watch, which means to stand guard, pay attention, be awake, recognize when something is coming that is not supposed to be. Thank you, Jesus. And then he goes and he starts praying, and it's really intense, right? So the, the experience is really intense. So, I mean, it, it's amazing to even just read that Jesus even struggled with God's intent for his life, right? So he was even saying, God, if, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Even Jesus struggled. Who wants to go through that? Who wants to be crucified for sin? when they've never actually sinned. Who wants to go through that? Jesus sweat blood, in fact. And then he goes back to his disciples, and they're all... <laughs> knocked out! And then he yells at them. He says, can't you guys just watch with me one hour? And then the second time he addresses them, he says, watch and pray. He adds the prayer part to, signal, to tell them, listen, you're going to fall into temptation to keep yourself from getting jacked by temptation. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. He goes and he comes back and again, they're asleep. And this time, they don't even know what to respond. They have no clue what to even say. I can just imagine they're standing there like, you know, they're asleep. And Jesus goes, what's going on here? And then, <sighs> sleeping again. I, I would imagine there was even like a, a humming a humming a moment. Chef of the future. Chef of the future. Right? I'm kind of old. It's an old show. Honeymooners. But they didn't even know what to say. And by that time, Jesus is like, it's done. Let's go. My accuser's on its way. It was a pivotal moment. And the commandment was watch and pray. What was about to take place was about to change the world forever. And the commandment to his disciples were watch and pray. And in Jesus' description of what we're supposed to experience, he's talking to the future disciples, you and you and you and you and us, and he knows what's on its way. 
He says, and then there's this tribulation that's coming, such as not, has not been seen since the beginning of the world. And his commandment is watch and pray. It's deep. Prayer. Somebody say prayer. prayer. What time is it? Am I kind of passing my time here? Okay. Eight minutes. If I feel like it. No, just joking. <laughs> Another one of the current trends in Christianity that that I've seen is the idea that you pray when you can, if you can. I see it. I've I've seen it. You see it on TV. You see it uh, on the Word Network, on all the other. Matter of fact, on uh, K-Love about a year ago, right? I'm going to have to clean my glasses. Hold on. For a second, I thought the glory of God was on all of you. Then I realized my glasses were foggy. <laughs> there we go. On Caleb, about a year ago, there's this band called Phillips, Craig, and Dean, right? Anybody ever heard of them? All right. A lot of fans in the house. Uh, what's interesting is that they actually come from the same church that I came from. Um, and f- forgive me if I've mentioned this before. In, in another, in a previous time, but they 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 were having a discussion with one of the members, and they, if I'm not mistaken, all three of them came from the United Pentecostal Church, which is the church that I originally got saved at so many years ago. And I remember in the discussion, this um, the, one of the members was talking about how God had called him to be a pastor of a church. Amazing, right? Honorable. It's a beautiful thing. And in their discussion, he's talking about how when he felt the call to be a pastor, he... Uh, spoke to his dad, who was a pastor at the United Pentecostal Church, and his pastor said, oh, that's wonderful. I love it. I'm so glad you've gotten the call. I'm so glad that you've chosen to follow what God has chosen. You've chosen to uh, fulfill the will of God in your life. And he says, but one of the things my dad said to me when I told him about this was, he said, well, you know, just be careful um, because, you know, as a pastor, one of the things that you should be aware of is that if you're not praying at least an hour a day, you know, you, you, you're going to find yourself into a sicky situation, right? If you're not pay, praying an hour a day, and, and he literally said, man, you know, I couldn't believe that he would say something so legalistic. What his response was is that, you know, I, I can't pray for an hour a day. And then, and then the guy from the radio station joked too, and he said, man, you know, I, I pray for about 15 minutes, and that's all I can get. And honestly, after that, what am I supposed to do? Pray for my neighbor's, my neighbor's cat? And, and ha, 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 And that was funny to them. And I thought to myself, man, if your pastor can't pray more than 15 minutes, you in trouble, Jack. You're in danger. If your pastor can't pray for at least an hour, you've got problems. Those of you watching online, if I have any pastors watching online, and I'm not a pastor yet. I'm not a pastor. I'm just saying, if you can't pray an hour a day for your sheep, for, for the people that you shepherd, for the people whose lives you are responsible for, find another job. There is no excuse. Find another job because you're accountable for their lives. 
because you're accountable for their spirit man. And if, you're, and, and if your own spirit man is depleted from a lack of prayer, then you got nothing to give. You're, you're operating from a dry spot. You're, you're, you're operating from uh, a place where there's just not enough to give out. There's no way you could have enough to give out. If you have a, a congregation of 100 people, you're supposed to be praying for those people every week, every day. You need to be in the face of God. And that's just time for them. You also need to pray for yourself. You also need to pray for the church at large. You also need to be feeding your spirit so that you have something to deliver on Sundays. Tell me you can't pray for an hour a day. That's some madness. Where are we at as a church? And K-Love is a big state. It's a big deal. Man, we just got K-Love. I know I'm, I'm kind of old, but we just got K-Love just a few years ago. I know it's probably been already like four or five years, but man, we never really had a station in New York, an FM station. We always had these stations that were AM and... <laughs> right? And you... <sighs> Come on! There with the wire hanging out the window, putting hangers in the stupid radio just so you can hear, you know, some Third Day or some Petra... Or, or, or just some kind of worship music because everything else is worldly. And then we get a uh, FM radio station and they're giving awesome stuff. And they're saying, you know, pastors can't pray for more than 15 minutes a day. What, what happened? Where are we? Are we watching and praying as a body, as Christ's body? Matter of fact, just another quick testimony. We, uh, maybe two years ago, we went to this preacher seminar in, um, in uh, Christ Church, uh, David Ireland's church. And we heard David Ireland speak, and we heard this other guy named R.T. Kendall uh, speak on the art of preaching, right? So I don't follow any of their rules. <laughs> I learned nothing. Uh, I'm just joking. Uh, they, they had a lot of insight, and they were just fantastic. R.T. Kendall um, he was, uh, he, he was the pastor of the church in England and, uh, help me if somebody knows this, uh, it was a famous church. Um, and, uh, nobody knows. Okay. doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a famous church. Uh, I can't, there's like a word that it's called and I can't remember it. Famous church. And he pastored there for many, many years. And he actually happened to be a man who was from the Southwest or I'm sorry, the Midwest in the United States. And he went to be a pastor of a major church um, for, you know, centuries. It was real famous. And one of the things that he said that blew me away, he said that um, he's seen surveys where it's been shown that pastors, pastors in the U.S. Um, prayed for an average, brace yourselves, because this is going to shock you. Matter of fact, reach over and put your seatbelt on. Go ahead, everybody do it. Reach over. Put your seatbelt on. All right, everybody say click. <laughs> say it again. Calvary Baptist Church. And that's, no? It's a, it's a place. Julio. Westminster Chapel. Thank you. They're related, so it counts for her too. <laughs> and uh, one of the, he said that on average, pastors in America pray for Four minutes a day. 
Now, if you got a problem with that, you talk to him. If you think he's lying, then you take it up with him. But this dude was, you know, he knew what he was talking about. He's been in this thing a long time. He said, on average in the United States, the average pastor prays for about four minutes a day. They must have skipped that chapter where Jesus told, told his disciples, can you not watch with me one hour? Can you not pray just one hour? What is going on? What is happening? Where are we? How have we gotten so far from where we started as a church? Amen? He also talked about the Holy Spirit being like a dove. Right? Now, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you this one for free. This, this is just a little tidbit. Kind of go. He said that the Holy Spirit was like a dove, right? So we see the, the, where Jesus is getting baptized and the Holy Spirit descended as a what? As a dove. So the Holy Spirit is representative, represented by a dove in the scripture. And so he talked about the nature of a dove and how a dove is very skittish. It's very, uh, um, it, it's, it's very shy and very timid and it's scared very easily, right? It's not like... Uh, in New York City, we have these flying rats called pigeons. Right? They'll come right up to you and eat out of your hand. But that's not how a dove is. A dove will, you know, if, you, if it's not dead silent, if, it's, if there's not just total quiet, if there isn't dead silence, the dove will fly away. So you have to be very quiet. And your movements have to be very slow. Otherwise, it gets... And so in your prayer life, you have to think of the Holy Spirit in that way. Many of us spend a lot of time multitasking God. Amen? I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty. I know because I'm there. I, I, I know. I do it. I've done it. I've lived there. We're making a mistake in thinking that we can actually have a quality relationship with God if we're multi multitasking him. My wife, this amazing woman right here, who I absolutely cherish and adore, uh, we, we actually went through this thing last week. Uh, it was really cool. The pastors, Pastor Victor and Pastor Gwen, preached together. I was pretty psyched. That was awesome. Really enjoyed it. But they talked about the five love languages, my wife's love language is quality time. Right, honey? Okay, Whew, got it right. <laughs> quality time. And so uh, when we had it, we actually had a workshop last Saturday describing each one of those love languages. And part of what quality time is, is undivided attention. I don't, I don't have to be doing anything crazy. I don't have to be singing to her or, or making dinner for her. I just have to be... I just have to be sitting there and that's all she needs. I did that on purpose. Uh, my wife is right there. I could have did it over there, but I love Elder too. The guy with the new boots that likes to kick me in the pants. Anyway. <clears throat> Undivided attention. And so, you know, I'm kind of a Craigslist crack fiend. 
I love Craigslist because I go on there and I look up musical instruments, right? So I'm bearing my soul, ladies and gentlemen. Be kind to me. Be nice. I'm, I'm bearing my soul here. I love going on Craigslist. I'm really into trading guitars and amplifiers and stuff. I'm a musician. I just, I'm always looking for new gear, looking to trade something off that I hardly ever use for something that I'll use more. And, you know, you know I, I spend a little you know, time scrolling through pages and pages of musical crap. Um, if I'm doing that while my wife is expecting me to have my full, to have my full attention, there's a problem. And she feels unappreciated. She's not going to be happy. She wants my undivided... Matter of fact, she's my wife. She deserves my undivided attention. She's the woman I said, till the day I die, Jack, is me and you. She deserves my undivided attention. And so because that's her love language, it actually fills her, her love tank. If you don't know about it, Get the book. <laughs> Gary Chapman. Dr. Gary Chapman, Five Love Languages. Check it out. Um, but so I can't multitask my wife. It's not fair to her. And eventually you will begin to see the results of my multitasking, my relationship with my wife. There will be evidence. You will see it in our relationship or lack thereof. You will see things starting to break down will eventually become roommates instead of lovers and wife and husband. We will grow distant, and, we, and our communication will just break down totally at one point. You will see more disagreements. You will see more conflicts. You will see arguments. You will see that eventually we'll wind up in, uh, at a point where we may actually start to consider breaking the covenant of marriage. Why do we expect that we can do that with God? Why do we think that there would not be a breakdown in, the, in our relationship with God if we treated our relationship with him in the same way? Man, I know you're busy. If you come from this church, you know how busy I am. But there is no excuse for me. There is no excuse for any of us not to give God his time. If we think that just kind of walking around and, ha, oh, God, I love you, you know, help me through this, and da, 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 is going to be just enough. It's not. There needs to be time set aside for him, specifically just for him. I told you guys, you were going to hate me. You were going to hate me. And I know I've heard people say, there's a constant communication with God. That's great. Talk, about, talk to him all day long. That's called walking with him, walking in the spirit. But there must be a time of consecration. I need water. Not concentration. Consecration. There needs to be a time spent where there's quality time with God. Uh, I have this sign in my apartment. When you walk into, there's like a foyer area that we bought this really cool sign. I can't remember if it was Target something like that. And it says, and it says, and it says, um, make time for quiet moments as God speaks quietly and whispers 
and the world is loud. You need to have separate time where you can hear God. You need to be, you need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is repelled by many things that we don't even realize can be pushing the Holy Spirit away from our lives. Right? We need to make time for God. And I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. Recently, in the last few weeks, I've actually been waking up at 5 a.m., Belinda and I, and we've been spending quality time with God. It sucks waking up that early. You want me to be real spiritual? I'm sorry. My flesh does not want to get up at 5 a.m. I'm busy. My day is filled with activity. The only way I can get my hour in with God in the morning is by waking up earlier. And so I'm starting to get used to it. It's starting to kind of become a, a habit and a routine, and it's beautiful. You know what's been happening? I have been seeing God answer my prayers. Like, like really answering my prayers. You know how sometimes we can take an obscure situation and say, oh, that's God answering my prayer. And maybe, maybe not. I've been seeing direct results where it's absolutely no way it could have happened any other way other than through prayer. Right? God has been answering my prayers. Scripture says the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. We're rocking the heavens. We're rocking hell. It's, 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 it's making things move. We're moving God with our prayer. And it's only through quality time type prayer. Amen? The multitasking has got to go. Let that go. There's no excuse. Maybe you can't pray an hour. That's fine. Find your 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Let it increase over time. You'll find as you begin to separate from the things and the noise that it becomes easier to spend more and more time with God. Guaranteed. Personally guaranteed. Matter of fact, one of the things you could even make a deal with, with, you can make a deal with yourself and God, and you can say something like, God, you're really important in my life. And I really want more of you. So what I'm going to do is, however, however much time I'm spending in front of the TV, I'm going to spend that much time with you today. Brother Tony, you suck. Why would you say something? Where is this dude coming from? That's a challenge. You could take it or you can leave it. Jesus said, watch and pray. Be diligent. Be on guard. We need to stop playing games, ladies and gentlemen. He, just, he told his disciples to watch and pray. He warned us. He gave us the signs to look for chronologically. He outlined the series of end time events that we are seeing coming down to the wire in our time. We are seeing what he was talking about starting to take place in our time. I don't have time to go through the, the Mark 13, Matthew 24, Luke 21 eschatology with you. You're going to have to work that out with God or come on a day when I'm talking about it. But I'm telling you, we're seeing that stuff 
coming to pass. We're seeing the stage being set for it. We need to watch and we need to pray. We will, see, we will soon see our most pressing hour. Jesus, in his most pressing hour, he commanded his disciples to watch and pray. The time is for us now to watch and pray. Amen? What will you do with this command? It wasn't from me. It's from Scripture. I showed it to you in the Bible. What will you do with Jesus' command? Are you going to continue to spend time doing things that have no eternal value? Are you going to continue to spend time doing things that aren't necessarily a blessing to anybody? And maybe is even offending God? Now, if you're not saved, if you are not a Christian, uh, if, if you have not yet accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, um, I, you may be completely repelled by what I'm telling you, and I understand that. You, 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 you may not be spiritually alive yet to receive what I've told you today, and I get that. So this kind of was not for you. You're not there yet. But for those of you who are born-again believers, for those of you who have given your life to Christ, for those of you who know the expectation of Christ in your life and as it pertains to the assignment that God gave to you, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do with what I just told you? That was a great sermon. That was really good, Brother Tony. And you get home and the alarm clock does not change. I believe some of us are going to go home and change our alarm clocks. I believe some of us are going to start paying attention to stuff, paying attention to our families, paying attention to those things that we may allow in our lives that separate us from God, paying attention to our child's web browser, paying attention to the books that they get from school. A lot of those books are are sick. My daughter, you know, she's in fifth grade now and she's reading books that are a little bit more higher in level. With that comes the idea of sexuality. With that comes the idea of, you know, things that adults go through. And she's 10 years old. I'll even tell you this with regard to being, to being watchful and paying attention. There's a, there's a sticker on the front of a bunch of her books that um, I can't remember what it was. It was a, uh, I think a Coretta Scott King uh, award thing. Um, and I have nothing against Coretta Scott King. I, I think, you know, uh, we don't even have to get into it. It's not about Coretta Scott King. There's an emblem on the front of it that somehow it, uh, attached to that award that involves a, a triangle which is literally a pyramid. I think there are like little bricks in it with a capstone on it. And there are uh, ecumenical signs on the bottom of the pyramid. All right, so you see, uh, I think it's the, the, um, the, the Jewish Chai, the Star of David. Um, there's a Hindu sign. Uh, the one in the middle is actually an upside-down cross. If you want to, I have a picture of it on my phone. I'm not lying. I will show you the picture. 
And so if we're not watching, we will miss the little things that Satan and his demons and the kingdom of darkness try to insert into our lives. Listen, we need to watch. Somebody say, watch. Watch. Turn to your neighbor, push him in the shoulder and say, watch. Watch. Turn to your other neighbor, push him in the shoulder and say, pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stop making excuses. We all need to stop making excuses. Yeah, we're busy. You know what? When we stand before Jesus, none of our excuses will work. They they may work with one another. They may work with one another. I might be able to get over on you because you don't know no better. But we cannot get over on a sovereign and holy and righteous God who is omnipotent and omnipresent. He knows all things and we will stand before him one day. Every one of us. Every one of us. That's why Jesus said, what I say unto you, I say unto What I say unto you, I say unto, I say unto, I say unto all, I say unto all. 